Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to our worship service this morning. We deeply appreciate you being here. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we're pleased to have visitors. We invite you to come and be with us any opportunity you have. Please make sure, if you're not already, the Friendship Register has been passed down your pew. And visitors in particular, please give us the information that we'd like to see there. Uh, some changes in our morning assembly. Jordan Coates will be our song leader today. Brother Bo Gross will be uh, saying our opening prayer. The scripture will be read by Stephen Cooper. And of course, our lesson by Brother Ken Forrest, Michael Dooley, in charge of the Lord's Supper, and Luther Mormon will do the final announcements and the closing prayer. Again, let me say how pleased we are to have you here today. What a beautiful day. We appreciate everybody. If you're watching on social media, we're glad you're joining in with us. And we welcome you anytime to come and meet with us as we assemble together. So let's, let's pray, please. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful day you blessed us with. We thank you, Father, for the good health we have that we can come and assemble. We're just thankful that we have this privilege of assembling together as your people to worship today. We're so thankful for each person that's here. We're so thankful for this entire congregation of people, people that love each other, work together, and move forward as we go through this year. Now, Father, we pray for Brother Ken as he will come and bring the lesson to us. We pray that we'll prepare our minds and our hearts to participate at that particular time, that we can grow spiritually. And Father, we pray for these others that's going to be in leadership in, in our assembly today. We pray your blessings upon them as they participate. And Father, we thank you for all the blessings we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. First song we're going to sing this morning will be Goodness of God. Can I get a quick show of hands if you're familiar with this song? Oh, great. Okay. We learned this at, uh, at week eight at Maywood this summer. It was it's a very beautiful song uh, with really, really good words. And I think, I think Jeremy maybe let it here once while we were at camp. Uh, but... We're going to sing that this morning. I love you, Lord, for oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my
song before our opening prayer this morning will be every time. Every time I kneel to pray, I open up my heart to my Lord. Every time I kneel to pray, I open up my heart to my Lord. Every time I close my eyes, I feel the sweet this morning and see the beauty of your creation. I pray each and every one of us sees your power, sees your glory, Father, and sees all the blessings you've blessed upon us, Father. Father, this morning we just would like to say thank you for everything you've given us, all the prayers that you've answered in the past, Father, and all the prayers that you will answer in the future. Lord, we also lift up this congregation to you, Father. We pray that you would bless the leaders, the elders, and the deacons, and the ministers. We pray that 
you would give them the wisdom to make the decisions that would help us to grow, Father, help us to grow spiritually and also in number. Lord, we are mindful of those who are hurting, those who have lost loved ones, Father, those who are sick, those who are recovering from surgery. Lift them up to you, Father, and pray that you would bless them with health and bless them with comfort. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you again for all the blessings, especially, Father, the spiritual blessings we have in your precious Son. We realize, Father, that he had to go to that cross because of our shortcomings, and we are so sorry for our shortcomings, and we pray that you please forgive us of those. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us this morning as we worship you. We pray that we would remove all the worldly thoughts from our mind and focus upon you, upon your spirit, and upon your precious Son. Lord, we pray all these things in his name. Amen. <clears throat> Invitation song after the lesson will be Come to Jesus. And the song we're going to sing before the lesson will be Home of the Soul. If for the price we Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you.
If you're wondering, this is not the one, but this is a one. So keep your eyes on it. Make sure I don't misplace it. If you happen to find the other mic, it would be wonderful if you could just drop it right here. Don't even say anything to anyone. We'll all be amazed and stupefied. We also found something else, though. Found a ring. Looks very valuable. If it's yours, you come to me and describe it, and then I'll give it to you. Does that sound fair? The Galloways are back here today. Welcome back. I'm going to assume there's a baby in that. Didn't see the baby yet, but can't wait. Very glad to have you back. And Lawan's back here. Welcome back, Lawan. We're glad that your situation has improved, that you can be with us today. I am thankful for this congregation. And I'm thankful for much of what we read being on display in this congregation. Humbling ourselves. Emptying ourselves of pretense and joining together in good works. But there's more to this text than just the idea of humbling. Because there are some things that I'm afraid as much as we humble ourselves and work together that still present a problem for all of us. And that is a sense that if we think about it long enough or we worry over it long enough that we can control the outcome of a great many things. I want to help us today, and that is help us, including myself, to let go of the things that we worry about, that create anxiety in our lives. And to truly do as this text says, to give it over to God so that he will exalt us. Um, we're going to pray. We're thankful for those who have returned. We'll pray about that. But we will also pray that God's going to help us in our study today. This is our time of worship as we meditate on the Word of God. And I'm praying that his Word will be really effective in us as we listen to what he has to say. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful to you for the blessing and the privilege of this day. And we thank you now, especially as we've already been participating in some of these avenues of worship, that you'll bless us now as we open your word. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see worry and anxiety as the enemies that they truly are to our spiritual flowering. That you will help us to see the dangers that are inherent in those things. And that you will ultimately give us victory over them so that we can be free to enjoy the things that you control and that are beyond our control. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us. And I pray, Lord, that as we learn better, we will do better. Lord, please help me to communicate what I've studied and prepared 
things that you have written, to be able to present them in a way that everybody here can understand. And I pray for those who hear it that even if I'm not effective in doing my role, that despite that, your word will find its place in their heart and it'll make sense for them so that the goal will still be attained. Help us to come out of this service today truly a free and victorious people. In Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I want to say this to whomever it is needs to hear it. What you're experiencing is not new. The struggle that you're in, the anxiety and maybe the worry and even the depression that you've fallen into, that's not new either. What seems to be new, which really is old, is the principles that the Lord tried to instill in us. That when those heavy times come, we we ought to be able to humble ourselves, get ourselves out of the idea of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know, or I'm going to fix it no matter how hard it is. I'm, I'm I'm going to exhaust myself in taking care of this issue, only to failure and then more worry and anxiety and depression. Instead of that, how about that old idea that's here in our text? To humble ourselves before the Lord, to cast it His way. Satan's going to take advantage. That was the follow-up. He is looking for an opportunity. He's looking for a weakness. And for many of us, that weakness is the door that is thrown wide open of worry, anxiety, depression. Boy, Satan can just waltz right through the double doors of our hearts when we have those issues at hand that we just cannot seem to cast off. What we want to accomplish today in reaching forward is reaching forward against that very thing, reaching forward against worry. And Jesus, again, old teaching, tried to instill in us in a beautiful description of how we do it, the process or the means by which we can overcome our worries. Right there in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Listen to this introduction. Therefore, do not worry about your life. Stop right there. Let's hear him again. Therefore, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is sown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Please don't miss verse 33 of this text. In fact, not only is this statement applicable with regard to worry, anxiety, depression, I'm pretty confident if we would just remember this, we would have gone a long way to being the person we are aspiring to be as Christians. He said simply to seek first, that's number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things, all the things you worry about, they'll be added to you. The first thing, Seek the kingdom of God. I'm thinking about Jesus and the example of his life that we have recorded for us. And I see Jesus as a prime example of the unworried life. Do you see him that way? It's like he had no cares whatsoever. He didn't hurry through anything. He didn't stop and stew over it or worry about it. In fact, he had this, and this should be a major thing we remember today. Let's just plant this in our head. He did not doubt the outcome. Maybe that's why we worry so much. We think too much about what the outcome is going to be. The Lord says, don't worry about the outcome. I've got that. What I want you to concern yourself with is just getting first things first. You seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, I'll take care of everything else. I see Jesus believing that, don't you? Don't you see Jesus without doubt, without worry, knowing for an assurance that God was going to give the right outcome. Ken, can I have peace and joy and tranquility and all of those things in a world that's filled with so much worry? I think it's a resounding yes. So what I want to do today is break it down as simple as I know how. I want to do the things that I, I prayed about. So God's going to use this in order to help us through it. You see, I've asked God in our prayer, please make these realities. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the enemy. 
And that's the worry, the anxiety. Then we're going to talk about the dangers that are inherent in just holding on to that. And then finally, I want to show us how it is we can have true victory over these very dangerous things, this dangerous enemy. Let's talk about the enemy for a minute. Hard to define emotions, I guess, or our response to events that happen in our lives. We, we kind of know what it is we're experiencing, but don't really know how to define it. So I was going to throw a few things out here. For instance, the idea of worry comes from the concept of being strangled. Someone is cutting the air off. You are gasping for the breath of life, and this thing is gradually taking that life out of you. Worry is like that. It is like being strangled. It is a combination of a couple of things, and at first gloss, you might not get it, but I'm going to try to put them together, and let's see if we can wrap our mind around it. Worry is a combination of both sadness and pessimism. In other words, I am down about a particular thing. It doesn't matter what the subject is, I'm down about it. It has, it has taken the joy out of me, and now I'm, I'm within the realm of sadness, but Sometimes when we're sad, if we are hopeful, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, not, not with this. When we worry, when we're filled with anxieties and depression, then we're getting to the place where not just do I have sadness, but I don't see a way out of this. That's the pessimism aspect of it. I just don't, I just don't think that things are ever going to get any better than they are right now. That's worry. Anxiety or feeling anxious actually takes off of that and is a comp kind of a complementary negative to the worry, and that is that now my thought process becomes divided. I'm not focused on a solution or the one who is the solution. Now I've become distracted. I become anxious because my thinking is divided. I can't, I can't dwell on a solution. I'm frustrated in every direction. Worry and anxiety brings us down low, makes us think there is no out, and keeps me from focusing on something that is hopeful. The thing is, you and I, as we experience those things, <laughs> we are far from the first people ever to deal with it. Let's think about some of those famous Old Testament characters, the ones that are often highlighted throughout Scripture, not just the lifetime in which they live. They're exemplars of the faith in one way or another, and we often just think of them as superhuman. But Moses, for instance, the great deliverer of God's people, the man God chose to be the mechanism through which we get the first five books of the Bible, the one who became the spokesperson of God in the deliverance of the Ten Commandments, that guy. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 14, Moses in despair said, the burden 
is too heavy for me. I just, you know, I just can't handle this anymore. Ever said anything like that? Moses did. There was a guy by the name of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4. He's praying to God, and he prays to God that God will take his life. Ever been to that place? So much despair, even in your conversation with God. You're ready to leave. Remember the mindset? It's so bad right now, I don't see a way out. And in Elijah's case, no way out, I just assume die. Job. Job is often thought of as either one of two things. Maybe a misconception of him is the idea that he's very patient the other idea is, well, he was faithful and doggedly so, even though he had a wrong concept of how God was dealing with him, still, he remained faithful no matter what. I love that about Job, the perseverance of Job. And yet, in Job chapter 6, at verse 2, and then also at verse 9, Job says, God, I just... I'm so grieved by what is happening, I wish that you would just crush me. That's Job talking. Our man of perseverance, our, our man who sees it through. Lord, it's bad. Would you just crush me? Jeremiah, one of those major prophets. Jeremiah wrote an entire book titled Lamentations. Lamentations literally means grief. Let me just take my grief and pour it out on the page. And the thing here is that the pouring out of his grief came by the mechanism of inspiration of God. What he had to say was as perfect an account of the grief and the lamenting that a person could have. Lord, here it is. And just... Lays it right out there. Tears and all. The Apostle Paul. Well, I think of him as that guy who endured everything. I mean, who can't be, I don't know, is this the right word to say that I'm thrilled when I read about all that Paul went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? I don't know if thrilled is the idea, but... Really, I, I, all, a lot of us can point to one episode in our life where we really stood tall, but Paul just went through abuse after abuse after abuse. But in verse 28 of that text, he said, my deep concern is for all the churches. My deep concern. I wonder what he means by that. I also think of a statement he made in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. He said, let me, let me shine a little bit of a light on the emotional state that I'm in. I am in weakness. I am in fear. I am in much trembling. The Apostle Paul, weak, Fearful, 
trembling? It's what he says. How do people get in a state like that? You could look at the world around you and say, I'm not surprised that people feel this way. I mean, there's so much evil in the world to begin with. We knew that, but it's like the generations before us that many of us lived in. At least those generations were respectful and there was a morality about it. There was a base that people held to, but today it just feels all wrong and that certainly can contribute to our worry and our anxiety. Or maybe it is that we just as a people, and let's just bring it down to us personally, maybe it is that we aren't very settled, that we feel restless. It's never just exactly right. Can you do this? Sometimes in therapy sessions, the therapist, in order to get you at a peaceful place, will say, think of a moment when you really felt relaxed or at ease. Here's the thing, many times those therapists, if you can't think of something, which happens a lot, they'll say, well, you know, in lieu of that, think of a, think of a, a stream of water. <laughs> you know, so most people just go to that because in their experience, they just can't think of that peaceful moment, that time when I, I felt like it was all together, when I was at ease, when I felt okay. If I'm feeling restless like that, then I'm not really putting my trust in the God who says he can care for it. I'm, I'm reaching for things in my dissatisfaction. Maybe I'm reaching for things that are beyond my grasp. Maybe I will never attain. I become frustrated, I worry, filled with anxiety. Depression. That's, that's a picture of our enemy. What comes out of that? Is that dangerous? Well, I was thinking about three different areas in which these kinds of feelings result in negative, result, uh, negative things. For instance, it can happen to us physically. We can be destroyed, overwhelmed physically by worry and anxiety, high blood pressure, uh, headaches all the time from stress, maybe even debilitating bouts. We blockade ourselves like Elijah did in a cave in our own homes. We just have a general breakdown in our physical state. We feel terrible. We don't know what's the deal. We just can't quite put our finger on it. Maybe it is that these things destroy our... Christian disposition. You know what I mean? When I, when I think of the Christian, the one who is following in the footsteps of Jesus, I described Jesus for us a moment ago, the unworrying heart man. He didn't rush through anything. He didn't worry about it. He was never doubtful about the outcome. And I look among us. Are we that way? One of the symptoms of the negative aspect growing in our life is that we just become so aggravated. We become angry, very negative 
We just don't have that joy in us anymore. We do as those who did, who became worrisome in Moses' time. We begin to murmur and complain. Just can't be satisfied because we personally aren't satisfied. You think a church is going to grow and flourish like that? Of course it isn't. Sometimes the results are just generally spiritual to the individual. The spiritual negativism. I come to worship, but I am divided because the anxiety, remember that was the description that we gave, gave, it divides us, it gets our mind headed in every direction. I can't focus on worship. I come, I come to be fed. You know, I come to experience the word, the truth. I, I want to stay connected. Hey, peace, great. But when we come to worship, it isn't just the application of truth in the process of it. It's also the spirit of it. I come in here with this worrisome, anxious, overwhelmed attitude. I might go through the motions, but I will probably come away from this wondering what happened. You know, I hear folks sometimes say, I didn't get anything out of that. It's probably because they came here looking to get something out of it as a kind of panacea for the problems that they're dealing with emotionally. Actually, what I was supposed to do is come with my cup full and just splash that out on everybody else. Boy, if we were filled with the love and the joy of Jesus instead of being overwhelmed with the worry and the anxieties that are a result of a lot of different things, maybe it's our faltering in sin, maybe it's the result of what we're experiencing in the world. However we got to this place, when I come to worship, I'm not going to really accomplish that end if my heart is distracted because of worrisome things. And not only that, but how about when I get out of here? You know, a big component of being a Christian is the idea of bearing fruit. I'm not bearing fruit if the vine is sick, the little branches are sick. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, in the description of what's happening with the parable of the sower, he talks about that seed that falls into weeds. The seed's the Word of God, but here the Word of God is trying to get into a heart, but because of the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, it is choked out. Now think about what, what is it that has done the choking? Cares of the world. That's what we've been talking about all morning. My worries, my anxieties. The deceitfulness of riches. Maybe it is I'm seeking after something I just, I just can't have. I become obsessed with a goal that is not God-like. It doesn't even pertain to my spirituality. But I'm so obsessed with that end that I can't think of anything else and I worry, and I emotionally toil over it. It just wears me out. Well, there's a danger for you. So, how am I going to get, 
How am I going to get beyond all of that? Where's the victory? First thing that you and I need to do, we've got to get our mind right. Get our thinking straight. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, the proverb says, as he thinks in his heart, you know it, so is he. How are you really? Well, you are. What it is you're experiencing is the results of what's been planted in your head. It's got ingrained in there. It's, it's dogged. It just won't let go. And the longer it stays there, the deeper its roots and the more long-lasting the effect of the worry and the anxiety. And so I've got to root that out. How am I going to do it? Well, I've got to begin to fill myself up with something that's going to take its place. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, if, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Wait, stop. We started off with the idea, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast it down. I'm going to give it to the Lord. He says, well, okay, so you didn't do that. You know, you filled yourself with these negative things that, that now have overtaken it, and it is affecting your spiritual growth so that you can't worship like you want to worship, not wholeheartedly. You're not bearing the fruit because you're frustrated. Your mind is divided. He says, stop that. Let's get back to the things that matter, the, the original things that the child of God is to fill his heart with. You see, you remember that? The things which you've learned and the things that you've received, the things you saw in me, do that. And then when you do it, here's the promise, that the God of peace, the one who's going to root out that worry, the one who's going to help us to reach beyond the worry, He's the one, the God of peace, is going to be with you. You say, well, how's that going to happen? I was thinking about what Jesus said about not worrying. Remember that from Matthew chapter 6? There were some key concepts in that text that all of us ought to remember. One is that God is the God of greater things, but He's also the God of the lesser things. Maybe in our prayers, what we are shooting for, what we're hoping for, is not really what God has in mind for us. We want to hit a home run every time, right? We just want to knock it out of the park. We want to be that person Everybody else talks about the greatness of their faith and on and on. God is the God of those great things. God is the God of the Abrahams and the Moses and all of those greats. Sure, but God is also the God of the lesser things. How did God equip us? I, I can't speak to that individually, but God has equipped us with great and little. 
He expects those who have been granted the great to use those things, but also the lesser. We ought to be satisfied, I guess, in the estimation of our ability or the gifts that God has given us and not to become so dissatisfied that worry and anxiety fills our hearts. Somehow or another, we don't meet a standard that we have arbitrarily set for ourselves. Remember that God clothes the grass of the field. He feeds the birds that fly. As much as he cares for those little things, he's providing you with what you need, too, as his own children. Don't get so frustrated about the things that seem beyond reach. Maybe they weren't there for your grasping. Remember verse 33 of that text. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make that the aim. All the other stuff's going to fall into its rightful place. And then, please don't worry about tomorrow. He said tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Use what you have today to the glory of God. You say, well, Ken, I don't know. These, these things are pretty well ingrained in me, and so I... You know, I've read those scriptures before, and I still feel these ways. Well, then let's back up for a moment. Let's not try to hit a home run today. How about we just take some baby steps? Start with some simple things, like a general assessment of ourselves. Isn't it a good thing to know our own limitations to know how far it is maybe we should be expected to go. I'm always encouraged by, well, there are two passages that came to my mind about this. One is Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear. What can man do to me? I know that no matter what, the estimation that I make, God's going to be with it. God's going to bless the effort that comes forth. I ought not be worrying about things beyond that. Secondly is the awesome empowerment of Philippians 4.13, right? I can, and that's me, whatever the equipment that God has given. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In fact, in terms of the greater and the lesser, it is God who takes more glory in the promotion of the lesser to his own acclaim than it is to the joy he might see in the one especially equipped. God just takes special interest in the equipping of those with less ability to the accomplishment of his great glory. Many steps to take. I need to know my limitations. I also need to know that I'm a person of great value no matter what. Don't be belittling myself or underestimating myself either. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, You are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You are unique to you. 
You're unique in regard to all of history. You are specially equipped for something, great or small, to the glory of God. Seek that out and accomplish it. And dedicate yourself. I mean, do that right now. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. A lot of times the problem that we have is that we're just not busy doing anything. And we just, we get frustrated with ourselves. And the longer we stay unemployed in the kingdom of God, the deeper that frustration. The encouragement here is to begin today to take up that cross and every day hereafter to work to the glory of God. I'm confident that if we will humble ourselves that the mighty hand of God is the very thing that is going to lift us up. I am confident of that as much as I'm confident of anything. Today, trust that if you will humble it, you'll lay it down. Lord's going to make it possible for you to overcome the frustrations that you face. I'm confident as well that we will be victorious. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Today maybe it is that you just needed that little encouragement to be reminded to reach forward against the worry that is setting you back. And to begin today with hope and encouragement and a, a brighter thought for the future to overcome those things, to let them be in the past and to forge a new trail, one of victory. Today, if there's anybody, a child of God who has become worrisome, you've been overwhelmed by those anxious thoughts, today... Put that at the Lord's feet. Let's pray about that together. We'll try to be an encouragement to you. And certainly that admission on your part will be an encouragement to so many of us. If you're not a child of God today, today gives you an opportunity to confess your faith that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Having made the commitment today to repent of your sins, you can be buried in water, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, and rise up in newness of life. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, Now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
to thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my The song we're going to sing before the Lord's Supper will be Living Hope.
If there's anyone that needs a Lord's Supper emblem, please raise your hand and the ushers will be around to assist you. As we prepare our hearts and minds for the partaking of the Lord's Supper, uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and here we're reminded that early on, a first-generation group of Christians forgot why they were coming together to partake of the Lord's Supper, and thankfully, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, reminds them very specifically of their purpose and uh, we'll read that now while we're doing it now. Beginning in verse 23, it says in chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, right now we are so thankful that Jesus was willing, determined, and able to go to that cross for us. And that is what we remember now as we partake of this bread. We pray that we do so in a manner that is pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow with me. Likewise, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this cup, which represents the blood that Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. Our prayer right now is that we partake of this cup in a manner that's pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we take this time now to give thanks for all the material blessings that you have bestowed upon us, and as we return a portion of that which you have blessed us with, may we do so willingly and cheerfully without compulsion, that we might continue here in good works. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
just got uh, one youth announcement to make before Brother Mormon gets up here. Uh, when we leave today, I'm taking the EYC list and I'm signing everybody up. So if you want to go to EYC, you have until about 11 o'clock to sign up because I'm going to take this list and start signing people up this afternoon. Okay. We'd like to say good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. We got a good number today. I didn't get a final count on that, but we got a very good group of people. Thanks for visiting, for being with us today. If you visit with us, please come back and be with us. If you haven't got a church family, please consider us here, Boomer Church of Christ. I promise you, you'll never find a more loving, caring group of people than you will find here at the Boomer Church of Christ. On the announcements, I don't have many announcements, but you can get your bulletin and look on the back of it and read down through it and catch up on that. And that's all I have this morning. Let's all stand while I dismiss us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this, another Lord's day, and for the blessing to live in a nation where we can assemble like, like Miss Manor and worship thee, Father. And we pray our first worship this morning will come up and be acceptable unto thee. We thank our Father for Brother Ken's lesson, and we pray that it will land on good and honest hearts, and we can grow stronger in the faith. Hope so in number, Father. We pray for those that are sick, that are unable to be with us this day, Father. We ask that blessing be upon them. We pray for our nation, Father. We pray that that would give us a safe trip home. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.